Welcome to Miss Lou Matters, a weekly public affairs program featuring topics of local interest. Miss Lou Matters is produced by Listen Up Y'all Media and listenupyall.com. I'm Andrew Michael and welcome to Miss Lou Matters, our weekly public affairs program presented by Listen Up Y'all Media. Our guest in the studio today is Adams County Sheriff Travis Patton, and we're going to be discussing some local law enforcement issues, the George Floyd case, and some other details. It's going to be a frank discussion with the sheriff, and uh, thank you for coming by today, Sheriff. Hey, I'm glad glad you have me on today. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Our studio is always open to you or Chief Armstrong or any local law enforcement officer or agency who wants to come by and talk. So this past weekend, there was a post on social media that caught a lot of attention. There, apparently there was going to be a big protest and riot in Faraday, according to the, uh, the post, and then they were going to burn everything down in Faraday. They even called out the Sonic and the KFC, and they were going to burn everything down in Vidalia. And then they were going to come across the bridge and burn everything down and loot them all in Natchez. And obviously, none of that happened. You wouldn't be here if it did. And I did notice that it seemed like there was very good coordination with law enforcement on both sides of the river between Adams County Sheriff, Natchez Police, Vidalia Police, Concordia Parish Sheriff, Louisiana State Police, Mississippi Highway Patrol. You guys were really Johnny on the spot with that. And whether that was a just a hoax put out by someone angry or someone who wanted to agitate and create fear, or whether it was going to be a legitimate event, it seemed like your response stopped it if it was going to be a legitimate event with that show of force. Can you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. When we received that message, um, myself and Chief Armstrong immediately got on the phone with our staff and other the other law enforcement agencies that you named out. And we're not naive in thinking that what's happening all over America couldn't happen here. So even though we kind of figured it was going to be a hoax, we prepared, we hoped for the best and we prepared for the worst. And that's why we got all the troops together and we got them on standby because anybody who's looking in America right now knows that there are a bunch of frustrated people out there right now who feel like they haven't been heard. And us and and we in this community in the Miss Lou area around here, we we can't afford to have something like that happen that's happening on the net on the national level and needed in the communities that is happening, happening in. If they were to burn down all that stuff, you name, what would we have left? We would have nothing. We would have absolutely nothing left. And so I'm glad that it was a hoax. But I commend the, the good citizens of the Miss Lou for not buying into that. That was a big reason in this not happening, because if you look at the relationship that law enforcement here has with the community, it's not like what you see all over America. If you look at the agencies that represent this community, they represent the people. Uh, they are a direct reflection of the people that we serve. And because we are all from different backgrounds and because we can relate to other people's um, hardships and we have that listening ear, that's why I think more of the reason why it didn't happen versus a show of force. That's a very good point. We do have, it does seem like here more than a lot of other places, there's a very positive relationship between law enforcement and the community. And that's a hard thing to build. It is. But in 2016, we promised everybody that we were going to build a relationship with IU and we were going to connect our communities from day one. And since 2016, since my staff and myself have been in office, that's what we've done. It's not a single school in this part of the state 
that we probably hadn't been in speaking to the kids, encouraging them, letting them see us and letting them know there's a different way to reach the same goals they have. And because of that, now they know who they are. They begin to take an interest in politics, take an interest in the law enforcement and see us for more than what the rest of the world want to paint us as, as bad guys. What those guys did up in the with George Floyd and the uh, Aubrey case and Breonna Taylor and so many others were horrible things. But the reason you don't see that here is because we pride ourselves on being the heartbeat of Adams County. We pride ourselves on checking our brothers in blue, checking our sisters in blue. If we see them going overboard, you better believe one of my people will pull you back. We take serving and protecting those who we serve serious. We know their frustrations. We hear their concerns. And that's why our first option is going to be to de-escalate a situation rather than to make it worse. Now, if we have to do our jobs, we are more than capable of doing our jobs. But our first option is always going to be, can we come to a peaceful solution? Why do you think that doesn't happen in other places? Like for the George Floyd case, I mean, the suspect, Derek Chauvin, former law enforcement officer, pinned that man down with his knee while he was handcuffed face down. He wasn't going anywhere, pinned him down and strangled him. And in those videos, which are so disturbing and so horrible to watch, you see there were other officers around Officer Chauvin, and they just kind of stood there. Why didn't they... I mean, I know if one of... I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous point, but I know if one of my coworkers was standing on someone's neck, after a couple of minutes, I would probably try to get them to not do that anymore, especially if it was someone who wasn't moving and wasn't a threat anymore. You know, when you ask that question, there's so many layers to that. But the reason why I personally feel like that didn't happen is because of the culture of the environment. Okay. Those officers there, you know, apparently they must be sticking to some some kind of code, uh, some kind of code of silence of such. And when you have that way, no matter what your brother in blue does, nothing's wrong. That culture has been building and apparently it hadn't been torn down there here. If that would have happened, though. I don't have a single person on the staff at the sheriff's office or a single person that I know of at the police office at the Natchez Police Department who wouldn't have gotten their brother in blue off of that. Matter of fact, our people are trained as such. If you have a hostile individual and you have to take them down using force, once you get them into custody, that's the end of force for us. At that point, we're going to get you up, get you out of there, because we know the sooner we get you away from that scene, the chances of you remaining hostile are a lot slimmer. And especially when you remove the person from the scene. Exactly. The situation de-escalates itself because whatever caused the problem is now all of a sudden in a police car and they're going to go get booked. That's true. And the other reason why I think that happened is because in some areas, in some places, they have unions in place. And I don't know if Minnesota is one of them. They have police unions in place that protect so many rights of the officers. And here we have civil service at the city, but they protect the rights of the officers so much that the supervisors who want to deal with them can only put pen and paper to it before it goes up the chain. And a lot of times those systems, just like any other system in America, have been manipulated to the point where good chiefs and good sheriffs in some places, because it's not the same all over, can't get rid of bad apples because of systems that have been put in place to protect the officer's rights. Unions and union contracts. Unions, union contracts, and civil services. Yes. 
Like me as the sheriff right. at the sheriff's office is at will employment at our city police department. You know, when they go through discipline, try to give people time off and things of that nature, you know, people can appeal it through civil service. And it's a whole nother board that has to see that. OK, but that when you learn that system, as well as some of the officers have learned it nationwide, you can pretty much stay on the job while the chief and the sheriff is gone. If you know that system well and how to beat it. And that guy had 18 uh, excessive force complaints in a, in a George Floyd situation. There is no way in the world that guy should still be wearing a badge. Oh, I agree. I, I, I 100% agree. And I think that's what creates so much frustration amongst the the everyone that's 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 been watching this case is why was this guy still allowed to have a badge and a gun? And on that subject of of officers that are disciplined problems when they get, should there be some sort of nationwide registry or blacklist when an officer gets fired, say from one law enforcement agency for behavior to make sure they don't move across the country and join a law enforcement agency over there and perpetuate the process. And and again, it comes back. I agree with that. And and what it comes back to is civil service and unions. And a lot of times what will happen is when these officers get in all this trouble and they bring their attorneys in to appeal these cases and fight them, a lot of times it's just easier for the chief or the sheriff to allow them to resign rather than to terminate them uh, from employment. Okay. And that's how these bad apples are constantly pushed on to other agencies. Okay. Now, me, on the other hand, if people call me for your reference and you've done something um, that's out of character that might violate somebody's civil rights or you having behavior issues. I'm going to be frank and blunt about it and tell them exactly what you did because I don't want bad apples passed on to other agencies to pass those problems down the road. If you don't have enough honor, integrity and values to uphold the oath that we swear in every four years at the sheriff's office and every time you get hired as a police officer, if you can't uphold that with us, I don't want to see you going anywhere else to put that burden on any other leader. This must be very frustrating for you when situations like this happen. And we talked about the trust that your agent, your, your office and Natchez police through chief Armstrong's leadership have developed and, and, and earned in our community and it seems like when that trust gets broken, it makes everyone's job that much harder because if people are afraid to go to the police officers and report a crime in their neighborhood, if they're afraid to, then it's just going it, to, again, everything's going to perpetuate and nothing's going to get better. And that that is true. It does make it tough on us when one of our brothers in blue do this um, and it becomes one, when they do it, but two, I'm so glad and grateful for videos these days because the video telling them by your story. But for us, I really wish it was more isolated to the individuals that have done it versus casting a broad shadow. Right. Of course. But the reason why it's not because people who sit in seats like myself have not been stepping up and saying what they need to say in the past. And that's why I made it very clear to my officers and my staff when I met with them and everybody that I encounter, I don't condone anything those officers did of in that not. in that video or, or any of the other ones that were like that. 
And we pride ourselves on saying this is why we train. This is why we do what we do. This is why we give our free time to people that we're not even paid for to attend community events so we can have the relationship, understand the understand the people we serve. So if something like this were to begin to brew, we can de-escalate it because we already have a relationship built with the community that we serve. It's important. And when it comes to day in, day out law enforcement work, I'm sure just like everyone, you have good days and bad days. And, you know, my bad day is a computer locks up and we have some dead air for governments. <laughs> you guys have much, much way worse tough days than than I do as a radio guy. And it sounds like you're office as much as possible is offering continuing support to your law enforcement, to to your officers, you know, mental health support, maybe paid time off. If the budget is there and the schedule works, um, seminars on ways to, you know, improve your law enforcement practice techniques and things like that. It seems like your agency is very good at that. Is that something that needs that other law enforcement agencies need to look more into you just hit it right on the head by saying that uh, we do have therapists on contract with the sheriff's office that if any of my officers feel the need to go and lay and talk to somebody who's not in a uniform they have that outlet and I think that needs to happen more often with all law enforcement agencies as well as reviews um, such as evals on their performance Okay. You know, that's something that we started at the sheriff's office, too, to let you know where you're standing uh, for us promotions and how your everyday work is um, being presented to the supervisors. But I think mental health is a huge part of it. And that's one of the things we put in place even before we hire officers. Now, we make them go through a mental health evaluation to see if they they even have the personality type to put on that badge, because when you have the power to take somebody's freedom or take their life. I don't take that lightly and no. seeing what I've seen nationwide, we're even we're tightening down even more on the application process to make sure that we're screening out the bad apples and we're getting people who actually love this community. And and I think what you're saying is a lot getting back to our original point. Having giving officers the opportunity to talk to someone, you know, someone that isn't on the force, someone that isn't related to them, you know, a, an independent, non-judgmental counselor. Um, I bet, I bet that probably helps. It does. And we also have chaplains oh, okay. that they can, that they can go and have ride with them or they can go see. We have, we have one, uh, we have one of the preachers here at one of the pastors here in the community. He comes up the first Tuesday of every month has a word with the staff, anybody who chooses to be there, and then he prays for us. Oh, wow. I think that is so essential into everything that we do because we are supposed to be the strong ones. Right. But when you see people getting killed who don't deserve it, lives being taken, you see the frustration, that can even make the strongest people weak sometimes. So I appreciate that those pastors who come through and give us those encouraging words of prayer so that we can remain focused and vigilant of the task at hand. And that helps us stay grounded to the point where we're unbiased. If you look at our, the, the makeup of the sheriff's office, we don't care about your race, color, religion. We don't care about what your sexual preferences are. We care about people. And that's why you see it on all of our cars. 
You see it on there with the heartbeat of this community for a reason. We take that to heart. We believe we we believe that. And um, part of that is staying grounded in the word. Well, I mean, mental health and spiritual health. I mean, it's it's both. They, hand they, in hand. They, they tie in together like peanut butter and jelly. They I do. Mean, you, 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 and you, a lot of people would argue you can't really have one without the other. <laughs> Otherwise, you're, you know, it's like wearing. Yeah. Only wearing one shoe on, on your foot and being barefoot on the other one. And we haven't had any. Um, I mean, we had the whether it was going to be a hoax or a legitimate threat over the weekend. Right. We'll never know. Um, but we haven't had any local marches or sit-ins or anything like that. And I know if we had one, I've seen a lot of law enforcement officers, chiefs of police, sheriffs meeting these protesters and marching with them. Or I remember um, the chief's name escapes me, but the Ferguson, I remember the the Mm -hmm. Ferguson case, Mm -hmm. Um, the chief there took the lead in the crowd held up the black power fist. And I mean, that was a, that was a really, I can, I can still picture it. Yeah. And I mean, I got goosebumps all over just, just thinking about that. That was such a powerful image. If there was a local sit in local protest that wasn't going to turn into chaos. And I doubt that they would, because we're really not like that in this community. We're not. Um, Would you lead, would you march with, with, with marchers or would you and your officers maybe take a knee to, Show a little solidarity. You know, Andrew, I would do both. Okay. If I'm being honest with you about this and being honest with the listeners here. And I think, you know, when you look at the Kaepernick situation, so many people right. took that on so many negative terms. But if we really looking at that situation at the end of the day, he was just trying to let his voice and everybody else is being heard, regardless of what you feel by the flag and all that. I'm not speaking on all that. Right. He was just trying to be heard. I respect the flag just like everybody else do. I put my hand over my heart every time I hear the pledges of of allegiance. But he was trying to bring attention to a problem. And that people got so unhinged over that. that. And and I get why, because there's that disconnect when you are away and you're in your own little corners and your world is perfect. You don't understand those people who are going through the turmoil. But I believe this what happened here is a direct reflection of what him and many others who began to speak up were trying to bring to the forefront. Now they were trying to prevent riots, looting, which I don't condone no, any of that. Nobody does. Nobody Peaceful does. protests. I'm all for rioting and looting. You need to go to jail. Right. Period. Right. But it brought a lot of attention to the conversation that could have been had then. And, and, and so now when I see those police chiefs and I see those sheriff, I've heard some people say, oh, they're being soft. No, they're being intelligent, caring leaders that the communities deserve. So when I seen those police chiefs and those sheriffs kneeling down, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, somebody has finally gotten it. Right. They have finally gotten it that all people want is to be heard and it seem like you remotely care. It's empathy. It's empathy. Exactly. Empathy at its finest. And what better way to show it than one of the incidences, incidents that causes cause so much turmoil across America. So much. So I respect those chiefs who got out there and marched. I respect those uh, those sheriffs who got out there and did what they did. And if a peaceful, peaceful key word, yes. let me make this clear. If a peaceful protest was to happen here, 
I would certainly have my listening ears on. And if they asked me to do it, I would. Absolutely. I think and I don't think it should just be me. I think it should just be leaders from all over Whoever the community. Nobody should want to see their child go through what happened to that. What, what happened to George Floyd and some of these other folks. And I'm just going to be frank and honest about another thing. OK, please do. When you looking at the entire picture and, and nobody wants to talk about race. In other it's net. a it's a tough it is it's a it's a tough subject and unfortunately I think that avoidance of the topic exactly has then created this divide where we can't find a middle ground that's correct to be open I mean I'm I've I've spent I grew up in California so I mm-hmm. so you- I only know well I'm just when it comes to race I have a lot more Hispanic friends. Than black friends. I've only lived in Mississippi for right. for five years, and I mean, I love living here. And I've made I've made some a, a couple of wonderful black acquaintances, employees here, and some radio friends in the area. But most of my most of my friends are are, are especially radio friends. A lot of them are are Latino men and women. And um, you know, they used to tell me stories about getting felony stopped. And you know, when we were you know twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, we kind of laughed it off. But now that we're in our 40s and a lot of a lot of these guys have kids, especially young teenage boys, they've had to have some very serious conversations. Yes. That. I know me and my dad didn't have, you know, my dad's basically basically he said, don't do anything stupid to get pulled over. And if you do just, you know, turn your radio down, say yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Have your wallet and your registration sitting there on your dashboard ready, and you'll be fine. And I know it's a completely different experience for black and brown and Native American people. And, yeah, that divide is people are so scared. I think, is, is it because people are so scared of being judged or being called racist because they maybe say something a little awkward or obtuse while having the conversation that they didn't mean? Right. They didn't mean any harm by it. Um. You think maybe that's that's where this divide comes from? This this sort of uncomfortable I, w- w- that makes us avoid having the conversation entirely. And I do think that's where a lot of the divide comes in. That is, people wear their feelings on their shoulders when it comes to this subject. You know, you've had so many other things happen here in this community where people have had that tough conversation, even with the taking a uh, the proud to take a stand monument and things like that. But all sides need to come to the table with an open mind and have that conversation because you you know what? And the reason why and the reason how I'm able to gauge that is when I look at my kids and I tell them that you got to be above average just to be seen as equal. Right. Are we really where we need to be? Why can't you see me as a human? You see them as a human and look at our whatever we've done on the same light. But until we have to stop doing it, we need to have this conversation so we can level that playing field. If that makes sense to you. I agree. I 100 percent agree. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss while we're here? I just want to say to the community that are that are listening out there that um, <laughs> I don't want to look at this as a black and white issue myself. Okay. And I want to look at this as a human heart issue more than anything. But I do want to say 
for the people who I've seen and talked to throughout this community that I applaud them not joining in with the hate, but joining in on there needs to be talks of change and things that we need to reexamine ourselves here. I applaud them for being receptive to the sheriff's office and the police department trying to reach out to the community and, and opening those doors to build those relationships. And I want to say, don't forget that the people you serve are not what you're seeing up in Minnesota and California and all these other places. Right. We, we love this community. We care for this community. We live in this community. We live in this community. So I'm asking if you do anything, do it peacefully. Remember who you are. Don't lose your civility during these times of crisis, but let your voice be heard and you push for change. But be that beacon on the hill to where the rest of these communities can look back at and say, whatever they're doing in Adams County, they're doing it right. We don't need to be on that side of history where we're burning down buildings and and police. Has some some rough racial history. It does. I mean, we're sitting here. On the grounds of what was one of the largest slave markets, exactly in the Western Hemisphere, you and I are are, are right now right now as equals. That's true, and that's that's a pretty powerful. It is a pretty powerful statement. But that's progress too, though. That's big that progress. shows how far we have come. Oh, so agreed. to the From, citizens in Adams County, we don't need a setback. Right, we don't need a setback. So I applaud them for voicing their concerns, push it through through the lawmakers, but don't result to violence but push everything you need to do to make sure change happens. Well, Sheriff, this has been a wonderful interview. I thank you so much for coming by Sheriff Patton, Adams County Sheriff's department. Um, you guys are, have a Facebook page we do. and phone numbers and websites and all that stuff. Right? We have Facebook, uh, <laughs> Adams County, Adam CO Sheriff, uh, Adam CO Sheriff, org is our website. Okay. Um, you can go on Facebook, look at us, look us up on Instagram. We have a tips four one one that I've been begging the community to download the oh, app. Tell, tell us more about that. We got a little time here. <laughs> yeah, tips four one one. What an that? App? It's an app that you oh. can download. And when okay. we're looking for fugitive or trying to put information out to the community, if you have that app downloaded on the phone, you can com- communicate with us anonymously through that app. And if oh, you wow. and if it's if you're in your Google Store or your or yeah, iTunes is mm-hmm. Adams CO Sheriff. And then you're going to see our star pop up and you'll be able to download and keep up with the information that we're trying to put out to the community or, or people that we're looking for. Okay, or if you just want to put in a tip. Okay. And that was the tips 411. That's tips 411 app. Yes. Wow. And, I'm definitely going to download that app right when we're done here with our interview. Yes, sir. All right. I know you're a busy guy. I know you've been going through a lot. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and talking with us here and our five radio stations and our wonderful community about what's going on. I think we covered a lot of ground in a very short period of time, and I appreciate you for coming by. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Andrew. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, too. You've been listening to Miss Lou Matters, the weekly public affairs program produced by Listen Up Y'all Media and listenupyall.com. To be a future guest or for an audio copy of this program, please email info at listenupyall.com. Thanks for listening and join us next week for another edition of Miss Lou Matters.